Welcome to the Photo Banter Podcast. I'm your host, Alex Gagne, and on today's podcast, I speak with photo editor Chris Chambers. Chris Chambers is currently the photo editor of Sports Illustrated Magazine. In this interview, I speak to Chris about how he got his start in the photo business by assisting NBA staff photographers, as well as his experience working as a photo editor for Getty Images for over 10 years, where he covered seven MLB World Series, eight Super Bowls, nine NBA Finals, and much, much more. This guy has covered so much in sports and has worked on a lot, so I was excited to get a chance to speak with him. So I hope you guys enjoy it, and thanks so much for listening. All right, well, uh, Chris Chambers, uh, welcome to the podcast, man. Thanks for taking the time to do this, dude. Thanks, man. Great to be here. Definitely excited to talk to you. I've been a subscriber to SI since I was a kid, so I've definitely been following it forever. Um, but I guess it's kind of start off. I was kind of curious, like, uh, where you grew up and um, how you kind of got into the photography world, I guess. Well, uh, I grew up in northern New Jersey, about 25 minutes from New York City um, in the suburbs. Um, didn't really have a classical photo background or education or anything. Um, kind of got into the photo world after college. Um, but to point back to, uh, I do kind of know there's some you know times in my life that I think I took notice of photos mm-hmm. uh, and things like that. Um, I remember when I was younger, there was a show, uh, NBA Inside Stuff. Oh, I yeah, think that, it's actually come back last few years. That was also. a great show. Yeah, yeah. And uh, they did... Uh, did a photography piece on uh, Andy Bernstein, uh, Lakers team photographer. Legend. Uh, yeah, absolute legend. And uh, I just remember seeing that piece, and they set up the wizard system and the remotes. You know, everything synced on the strobes, and you know they showed a picture of all of his gear out. Yeah. And uh, I thought something that was, was pretty cool. Never something I really thought about doing. Yeah. Um, but always remember took notice of of things like that. And then uh, beyond that, it was really just, you know, the posters that hung on my wall. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, you say long-time subscriber to SI. Uh, growing up, my dad actually subscribed to Sport Magazine, okay. Inside Sport, which, uh, you know, now defunct. But uh, some 80s uh, magazines that a lot of guys that, you know, you'll see names even now uh, were shooting for back then. It was more freelance-based. That's interesting. So you weren't, like, into photography or anything in high school or anything. What did you end up going to college for? Um, well, I went to school originally for uh, rehabilitative services. Um, you know, uh, you know, didn't really work for me. Uh, found out pretty quick in a few months it wasn't something I wanted to do. Um, so I ended up studying management. Um, more or less, it was for the quickest way to get out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, because I didn't know what I wanted to do. But even from high school, I kind of always knew I wanted to work in sports in some way. Mm. Um, I just didn't, you know, didn't know what the avenue was going to be. And then uh, I, uh, I met a guy, uh, Jesse Garbrandt. Uh, if you know Jesse, he's a longtime NBA photographer. Um, uh, we were, you know, I met him through friends I was working with when I was like 21, 22 years old. Yeah. He was their buddy from college. We ended up renting shore houses together. And um, the year of the NBA lockout in 1998, uh, the NBA was hiring part-time workers for their photo department. Okay. And he just said, you know, you know sports, you know, you know the players, um, you know, you want a part-time job, you know, IDing film. Wow. And uh, so it started that. Um, uh, Joe Mati, um, Carmen Romanelli, Mike Klein, guys at NBA. Yeah, they do all the edits. We took them. We you know stuck the barcodes on them for tracking. And this, for sending this is out. this is film days. Yeah, this is film. This is film. Uh, beautiful two and a quarter Hasselblad yeah. uh, stuff. Uh, Thirty-five mil and slide. Um, and you know shot dupes, track dupes. Just and that must that must be interesting because like when you start working for um, those guys like. You probably didn't even know what a house blood was when you kind of started working there or anything no, like that. I, I really had no clue what it was, to be honest with you. Um, it wasn't really, you know, I, I got an idea. Obviously, got to go to some events and, you know, cover some all-star games and saw, you know, met Andy Bernstein, who I had seen, met Nat Butler, who's Michael Jordan posters that hung on my wall and names that I knew. And then I kind of, you know, saw what they were doing. But even at that point, I wasn't fully taking notice of it until uh, later down the line, I, I assisted Jesse Garbrandt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in about 2003, and that's when you know I kind of started retaining things a little bit more and taking pictures myself a little bit. Too. Okay, so. so like when you're assisting Jesse, um, so he works. He was working for the NBA league directly, basically. Yeah, he was. Uh, he was a staff photographer at the time. Had, had come out of the offices. Um, he had kind of gone through that internship program on up, and, and you know built his way to being a, a first shooter. 
Um, something back then is guys didn't always get their names on what they shot back yeah. then. You had to shoot for a couple of years, whether you're doing you know product shoots or yeah. you know gripping community events. And uh, Jesse got into that point, and he was at a point where he'd gotten a Philadelphia 76ers team job kind of responsibilities, and that's when I was working with him. Interesting. And what kind of stuff were you guys shoot? Like the games and all this different types of things, pretty much? Yeah, all games, portraiture, uh, community events. Um, one of the cool things about working for you know a guy who was on staff, um, he's now on a contract, uh, but still he probably does upwards of 80 to 100 events a year for him now, I'd say. Wow. Uh, with regular season and finals. But back then, we, uh, we more or less just covered the Northeast from Washington, D.C. to Boston, um, you know, always doing the 76er stuff, but when they were out of town, we'd do some Knicks, we'd do some Wizards. Um, Michael Jordan was doing his last tour with the Wizards back then, so um, NBA would want to double up in those cities a lot of times, so we'd go to Miami or New Orleans right. and cover uh, Jordan, which was, you know, it was awesome. <laughs> Hell yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty interesting. Was there, like, any sports kind of growing up that you enjoyed in particular, or was there, like, one sport that was kind of one that you enjoyed more than others, you think? Um, I, you know, always, you know, baseball fan young, um, and I think kind of also from part of my, you know, beginnings of appreciating photography, you know, I was big into baseball cards. Um, love that the boom of trading cards in the mid late 80s um, I still got a bunch man yeah <laughs> I got them like in the plastic like screw on yep. like cow ribbon yeah yep. Um, yeah so that was a lot of fun and uh, football was always big uh, big Jets fans in my house long time season ticket holders so um, those were uh, you know the ones I started um, watching big and actually always golf and tennis were always big presences in my house my father watched those so I was watching those sports growing up that's what I was gonna ask you being from New Jersey uh, I always, it's funny it's like people are like New Jersey it's like you're either like a Jets fan and a Mets fan yeah. it, that's basically how it goes usually in New Jersey right yeah I mean it was for the most part um, I mean from I remember growing up, it was more, uh, you know, the Giants fans were usually, you know, the yuppies more. And, like and the, the Jets fans were, you know, some of the hard, uh, you know, working class guys. But you also see a mix of that, the Yankees. So it doesn't always translate just to the Mets. But that's what we were in my house. We were... Uh, we're Mets and Jets fans, and that was born though out of the Brooklyn Dodgers. Across, of course, moving to yeah. LA from Brooklyn because my dad was born in Brooklyn. That's but, interesting. You know, so he shifted over to the Mets. I went to I went to a Mets game this summer, and it was like, it was so no one goes to the game. I got a, no joke. Me and my buddy got a ticket for like five bucks. <laughs> it's, 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 it's been rough recently. <laughs> hey, uh, a couple years ago, were fun though. You forget we we did go against go to the World Series. Yeah, um, even though it was it was short lived run, but it was a fun time to be out of City Field. Definitely. No, definitely that's exciting. And I guess like how long did you end up uh, assisting Jesse uh, for with the NBA? How long were you with him for? Um, I assisted him probably just a little less than a year and a half over two seasons. Yeah. Um, I had started uh, on a playoff run after another friend of ours had been working with him and. He had gone into some other work, so the spot was open. Um, so I did that. So we did over, the, you know, the summer, and we did, you know, the media days and the portraits and all that stuff. And then another full season. And um, I actually was, you know, trying. To, I wasn't really set on being in photography totally at this point. I was still maybe thinking of doing other things. Um, I had gone for a brief time um, of. Uh, taking the test for New York City Fire Department. Okay. And I uh, was actually going more down that road. And um, while I was waiting for that, assisting was great and traveling was great, um, but assistant rates weren't really paying my rent. Yeah. Um, and for someone who at the time wasn't planning on being a full shooter, um, I kind of wanted to, you know, started looking into other things. And, uh, and from that, I just... Um, uh, actually, uh, a guy I mentioned, Carmen Romanelli, who, who was still at the NBA at that time. He's now uh, with Getty Images. But Carmen had known that um, Getty was looking to shift their editorial sport coverage mm -hmm. desk. Uh, their sport desk had been in Los Angeles, and they were looking to put a more full editorial desk together of new sport and entertainment out of New York. Uh, so I found out about that and applied, and you know they happened to need a, a sports night editor at the time. So. I started in 2003 then working at Getty Images on their picture desk doing all their sport and that's that was really when I think I was like all right well I've done a lot in this and I enjoy it and I see more of a career path than I've been on and yeah that's what kind of set me off on like the last 15 16 years or yeah so. that's one of the things like shooting it's like it's just crazy like there's no like it being a photographer, you never know like where your next job's gonna come. It's just like can be pretty chaotic, right? Uh, so with photo editing, yeah, there's more kind of like a trajectory that you can kind of go down, I guess. Sometimes, um, yeah, I mean, I think it also that that happens based on where you know your passions lie. Mm. Um, 
you know, the, that path can be a little more structured for an editor, but I think also that, you know, there's still a lot more avenues, opportunities maybe for shooters. True. Editors, uh, it's kind of a little lost position sometimes. Yeah. Depending on what company you're at. If you're at the right place and, and they see the role and the value, it's great. Um, but if you're at other places that, you know, maybe our photography is just a small part of everything they do. It's kind they of figure, well, you're not taking the pictures. So different values get placed on different things. Yeah, but, definitely. Yeah. And I guess when you're at Getty, you say you're kind of working the night, uh, were you the overnights basically? Like, Yeah, uh, for a year and a half, I, I did overnights uh, 5.30 to 2 a.m. Wow, um, <laughs> that's a grind. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, most of the editors did in uh, every other month schedule, month on, month off, days and nights. But um, it was... Uh, Right around the time we had uh, uh, invaded Iraq, and on the news desk, it was fact-checking a lot of F-14s or F-16s and things of political nature that I really knew nothing about. Oh, so you're doing, it wasn't just sports, you're doing all types of things. Yeah, it was everything at that time, but I kind of, I was, they needed someone in a sport role because most of the people there were more journalistic, mm-hmm. um, you know, news background. Um, so just by nature, there was enough sport that if I worked night, that's all I had to do. Yeah, like, <laughs> so that's, sp- nights were good with me. <laughs> Make your position. Chris is a sports guy. He's got the knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's, it's kind of how it worked out. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, mm-hmm. how's your kind? Because of, you ended up, I think, working at Getty for what, a little over ten years, right? Yep. Uh, yeah. How's that experience? Because it's just such a behemoth of a company. Like, how does it differ working for like a agency like that versus like a like an editorial magazine kind of? Uh, well, I mean, it was a great run at Getty. It was there just over ten years. Uh, did a little bit of everything. Um, moved around. Uh, you know, started in New York on their picture desk. Um, happy op- had the opportunity to go to the London. Olymp- uh, sorry, the Athens Olympics in okay. two thousand four wow. Summer Games. And after that, I found out. Um, uh, you know, Getty obviously have their commercial deals with the leagues, and they had a very big structured deal with the NBA where they were doing all the NBA's production work um, back end in Los Angeles out of their office. And it kind of was a natural fit when a position opened there with my NBA experience combined yep. with now what I've done on the agency side. Um, uh, so I moved to LA, did that for two years, um, did production editing, and then um, at that point, uh, field editing and deadline edits became a bigger thing of you know trying to get the the lead page of a website or you know trying to get the front page of the times or, or newspaper so getty started traveling their editors more as yeah. speed became more important and i started doing that a little bit which graduated into full field editing where i wasn't working in the office anymore and i was just traveling so they would send you with field editing for like people listening like uh what's the kind of the difference between field editing and then i guess like this uh your- well the production what i was doing more in the office um you know uh, NBA team photographer does their shoot. Um, at the time, they were still doing a little film, a uh, little Hasselblad um, on like pull remotes and stuff like that. But most all the all the handheld was digital at that point. So you'd get a disc, you'd get some film, we send it out, edit it. Um, you know, decide what second edits are going to go up to the site because there usually was about a 20, 30 picture edit that was done on deadline. Mm-hmm. And with that also, then the staff and freelance photographers of Getty's uh, content, they would FTP, or actually, I think it was actually mostly CDs at the time, okay. sending in <laughs> CDs uh, with like another 50 or 100 outtakes that would go through. And just, just managing all that workflow and just um, trying to get the turnaround as quick as possible. And then once we were done with it, we'd ship all the material back to the NBA itself where mm. they store in their archive. Yeah. And and then with like field editing, you're basically going to the live events and this yeah. kind of like, well, yeah. you're kind of like managing like the photographers who are there kind of shooting it. It's kind yeah. Of like, I mean, it, it, you know, it depends how you go. If you, if you're going out with a guy who's been doing it for 10 years, he's really managing you. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> and it was, it was still a learning thing. Every, every position I, I took and got was a new learning thing. So I was always, you know, willing to take my direction and then when I had my opportunities, put my little two cents in here and there. Um, and that usually came from the knowledge either the team or the coach or this guy likes to do that or this, this coach calls us a lot in this situation. Um, yeah, so, you know, uh, you got to get something quick. So, you, you know, say you're doing a, you know, an NCAA game. Uh, five minutes in, there's a timeout break or something. You run out to the photographer, sit in baseline, grab a card from him, run in the back, move two or three. You know, yep. usually it was anything at that point because, you know, 
motor rates weren't as fast as they are right now, so it was still a little more challenging uh, yeah. to get something within the first five minutes of play. But, you know, just get something out of, you know, maybe the point guard or a quick score or something of the team who took the lead, and you hope maybe that got you a website placement on ESPN.com or, or something like that. Damn, yeah, because how does that work? I've, I've actually never worked with, like, a, like a Getty Images or anything like that. So, like, when you guys are sh- – because Getty has, like, photographers on staff, right? Like, I know, I think, like, Al Bello is, like, yep. one of the photographers, and yep. they probably have, like, a group. So, like, when you guys are shooting this, you guys just kind of put it out there, and then ESPN and these other resources just kind of check your database, and they kind of pick what they want. Yeah, I mean, well, you you have two types of clients. You have, like, your a la carte clients who just do it per download, and, you know, they may not be a a sports-focus-centric, but and then the other is is the big model is is the subscription base. Um, And a lot of the times, you know, that's, you know, Sports Illustrated, ESPN, NBC, NBC Sports. I mean, it can go on and on and on and on. Um, it's all a matter of how much they get if they just want the main sports, if they want everything. You know, sometimes you can, uh, during Olympic year, you can get just the Olympic feed. Okay. You know, so People Magazine or something like that might be interested in that. And will there ever be like, um, like People Magazine, for instance, would they ever reach out and be like, hey, we need X, Y, and Z photos of Jeter, and can you produce something or not so well, much? Like I mean, that? usually on a, like on a guy like a Jeter, uh, you're gonna have um, a you're lot. Gonna, you know, someone shooting Jeter every night. <laughs> yeah, um, it's kind of like when you know when a lot of this stuff started started off digital, gotten bigger. Like, you know, a big thing Getty always did is they always had someone at the Mariners game because you know you always had Japanese clients who were interested in photos of Ichiro Suzuki or something like that. Yeah. Um, so yeah. No, that's no. It's really interesting because, like I said, I never really worked with the like a Getty images, but it's just like a. It's interesting to kind of hear how it works. I mean, well, actually, to follow kind of what you're saying, the client um, input you or questions you get sometimes is usually ahead of time if they're looking for something more obscure. They're doing mm-hmm. a human interest story or something like that, and like you know, the last guy on the bench, you know, does a lot of community work, or okay. you know, he's a senior. You know, he was a senior walk on, or he played this other team, or whatever the point. You know, the interest point is on it. So there, you know, you you know, it either come to me as the editor or come to the photographer directly and it's kind of you know just look out for this guy in case he gets yeah it's like that extra. i think that was the thing i was kind of curious about if there's like a little more direction to it sometimes yeah where, yeah but that's you, that. you get stuff like that a lot from like the times okay and uh i'd say you know probably more in passive like a usa today before they they um acquired us press wire and kind of had their own wire service yeah. to work with to kind of fill those needs out it's pretty exciting to hear it's always just interesting that people that get in this business come from all kind of walks of life and it's kind of mm-hmm. almost interesting that you kind of came into it blank didn't really know much about it and this kind of kind of soaked it all in like it, it almost probably it might be better that way you don't have like because i went to photo school so you kind of learn mm-hmm. you probably have like uh you're uh, it's it's kind of interesting how yeah i mean I, I i've seen that it's definitely worked for me yeah. um at, at times so i wish there's another way to it um you know i had to um i mean i i learned photoshop by looking over at the guy to, to my left guy or girl to the left what that editor did and yeah. you know learned some quick tricks with levels or curves or, or whatever and then just kept always building on it but that's kind of how i've always learned and done things it's Get better for me to be in the middle of it yeah uh and kind of you know learn firsthand um and, and that's great, but I also think if, you know, if I had more formal education or classes or more workshop training or something that, maybe not the task at hand, but that would give me a little more background knowledge to troubleshoot something quicker yeah. or know something by looking at it instead of having to kind of, you know, yeah, fumble definitely. my way through it sometimes. You feel like that even now, like as long as you, uh, you've been doing this for a while, you continually have to kind of keep like learning and like updating your skills with like new technologies and stuff This kind of continually. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I've, I've noticed that kind of from, you know, I you know started on the league side with NBA, did editorial mm-hmm. for a long time with Getty, and now, you know, working in publishing for Sports Illustrated, uh, I'm in the office. I get out a couple times a year for a few events. Um, you know, I, I do work for occasionally for some other clients too. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I definitely see every like, you know, people are doing more and more to deliver quicker and it's taking a couple steps past and I'm like, oh, I, you know, I got to get back involved with this a little bit more. Yeah, it's Make crazy. sure it hasn't passed me by. Yeah, it's crazy, man. Every year it's just like faster and faster. Even I know it's myself. I got an editorial clients be like dumb to shoot. They're like, hey, can you get us everything like right away? <laughs> it's yep. just like quick, quick, quick. And uh, I saw like on your LinkedIn profile um, one interesting thing I saw in 2006 you did Getty's first remote edit. Um, yep. So describe that. What was that? Well, the the deal behind that was uh, it was a pretty big uh, college football game coming up in the, in the fall of 2006, and uh, I had actually recently moved to Chicago and I was living there. So um, Michigan and Ohio State were playing. Uh, you know the, the annual game, huge rivalry, and uh, if I do remember it correctly, both teams were um, undefeated that year. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, this is pre-college football playoff. This is the BCS era, and this was really everything that was going to dictate, you know, who the champion mm-hmm. was going to be. And, um, you know, like, you know, Getty was, it had been around a while, but was still, you know, certain buildings or places was still considered a young service. So sometimes there was limits on credentials. Um, wow. And uh, I think they had already requested two or three, um, one for Greg Seamus, who's a freelance photographer, and I believe one for Joe Robbins, who was a, a contributor contractor photographer for them. And that's all Ohio State would give them. And, you know, the, uh, the game became more and more important. We tried to get a pass for me to go to edit on site, and uh, we just we couldn't get the pass. So, uh, uh, you know, back in the office at the time, uh, Mike Hyman, uh, still with Getty, was uh, our, uh, our editing manager at the time. And um, this is kind of the time of learning new technology. <laughs> like, yeah, he's like, figure it out. I mean, now it's, you know, just you could do it real basic with a couple of FTPs or, you know, self, uh, clients or something like that. But um, we actually, you know, we, he had me download a program that turned my laptop into an actual server. And, wow. you know, we, we sent back probably 50 medium res JPEG images over the whole day, which, you know, that probably took about, you know, five, six hours, seven hours of transmit time. Wow. Um, so yeah, you know, we were actually it was you know it was a big deal. It was cool. We were we were moving something you know during the game, and I mean, it, not really real time as people always used to say that you're moving something in real time. But um, yeah. you know, four or five minutes after a touchdown, we we had something, and yeah. uh, luckily the transmit room was really close to the field at that point. So Greg was able to run off and got me good time stuff, and we had we had great play. I like <laughs> it, it, man. Was awesome. It's, it's like figure it out this new technology and get it to work. You know, yeah. We'll figure it out with a lot of help with Mike from Mike, <laughs> and uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, definitely. And um, I, with Getty, I saw you were like traveling like 130 days a year. Yeah, that did you start to get burned out after all? That's a lot of time on the road. Yeah, I did it. Um, about 130, 150 days a year, uh, give or take. Uh, Olympic years, you know, uh, always be a little bit more. Uh, but yeah, I did that about eight years, and uh, it, it, I mean, it was great. It was awesome. Uh, I probably didn't realize the last you know year and a half or so was uh, maybe a little more grind than I than I thought it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I mean, you, we, let's it, it was great. I yeah. mean, we were, I was getting to go to everything. Um, so you went I like mean, Super Bowls, yeah, Olympic. Super Bowls, World Series, NBA Finals, Stanley Cups. I mean, didn't go the same thing every year, but it would switch off. Um, got great experience working NASCAR events, something I'd never been a part of, which, you know, not, not a sport I was ever really, you know, knew much about or a huge fan of, but ended up, you know, gaining a ton of respect for the drivers in that sport, made me a better, a better editor, you know, learning all different angles and that, that's how it was. And then, you know, having opportunities to go to say Olympic, you know, swimming Olympic trials or, um, you know, FINA world championships where you get to work with our, uh, uh, European and Australian colleagues from Getty. Wow. So it was, the experiences were always new and fresh, but I think, I think that was also part of my education, you Definitely. know, that, I, you know, and it was maybe an extended period of time instead of, you know, two years in school or something like that. But, um, I, I think that was part of me, you know, it's hopefully good. getting ready to do the next step of, uh, you know, doing a little more lead, leading or calling any shots at nah, and stuff. Like no, nah, it's exciting. And like, uh, I was going to ask you, being that you've covered so many of these big events, uh, is there like any event that is like more, it's harder to cover than others? That's just kind of more of a challenge, you think? Maybe it's like, I don't know, the Super Bowl or the World Series or the Masters. Um, is there one that you, when you look at it, it's more of a challenge? Maybe it's because of the location or anything like that? I think what it, what it comes down to is, is probably the, I mean, you, one of the benefits of all the events I got to go is, especially with going with Getty, is, you know, you, you, either you were the governing, you know, governing body or, you know, the official photographer for that program and, you know, they had good resources, so you had a good amount of team there, you know, sometimes it would have been great to have one or two extra on some assignment, but we always had a handful of guys, so, you, you know, you were working hard, but you had people to pick you up and, you know, to get you through the events as they were hard and stuff like that, so really the hardest, though, even though the most resources were dedicated to it is, I'd say, doing Olympics. Okay. Um, it just just because the endurance of it. Yeah. Um, and it's a media circus from like talking to yeah. Simon Broody. He's like, there's just so much media there that more than any other event. It's just like, you're just like up against everybody yeah. pretty much. Yeah. I mean, you really, I mean, it's, it's, it's different when you walk, like you got to get your pictures out faster. Like it's really more important. Like if you're Getty, you know, you, you want to beat Reuters, you, you want to beat USA Today. You yeah. want to be, you know, just, you just always want to be faster. You want that lead page photo. Yeah. Um, and you also want to get harder on yourself to make sure you're not 
putting junk out there that you're really only putting the best of the best photos while still meeting your client needs. Um, I mean, you mentioned the way, you know, for Simon, it's a, it's a little different and harder for photographers, I think, in the sense these days, because they got to get around to the venues more and more. Um, in 04, when I was in Athens, the editors were at like individual sites more. Mm -hmm. um, and I was back at the office because I was more, as a picture desk guy, we were more funneling the stuff from five, six venues and then distributing it out from there. Um, but now it's shifted to where everything is, you know, pipeline back to the media center. So for an editor, it's long hours, but you're mostly going to the same spot every day, unless you're doing like a tracker or swimming, which those usually have smaller teams on site, um, just doing it just because they're the high profile stuff and there's more volume okay. going on there. Interesting. So, and like how many, how many staff photographers did Getty have when you were working there? Is uh, <clears throat> Or even, I guess it's in this, because there's yeah. so, many, so many departments, but this sports, I, I Well, so sports-wise, I, 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 it was probably up around like 16, 18, wow. around then. Maybe it was down like 14. And I mean, the number went up and down a couple times through years. You know, some guys left the business, did other things, you know, went to business school. Yep. Um, maybe just decided they were burnt out and they want to try the more pure commercial side mm -hmm. and things like that. But it's always a good amount. And, and the number's really hard to determine also because... Um, you know, Getty would still use a lot of freelancers and they use a lot of freelancers regularly. Yeah. So, you know, there was a lot of guys who seemed like they were on staff, even though they weren't, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, you know, relationship wise, professionally wise. But then also as you're talking to other people, people just assume they were staff cause you know, they see their name on 40 events a year or something like that. Oh yeah. I got my buddy, Adam Glansman. He's up in Boston and he, he shoots for Getty all the time, but he, he's full-time job is Northeastern photographer, yep. but he's always shooting the Pats games and stuff. So it, it is interesting to see all the different photographers. Yeah. See Adam stuff out there a lot. There's a lot of uh, strong portraiture yeah um, definitely and like i guess when you're at getty and you're looking for freelancers um is that something you were hiring freelancers all the time and like where would you kind of uh, search search photographers I mean, out with getty I didn't, I didn't really do any of the signing um yeah. there's assignment editors for that working yeah. back in the office that, that became more um you know when i started um sports illustrated okay. a little more than five years ago mm -hmm. um for that i mean you know, there's a lot of natures of the business now. I mean, obviously, budget is, is a big deal. Yep. Um, so you can't always, you know, say, well, I'm going to fly this guy five hours away to do this because he's the best at that. Yeah. But you still want to keep quality and you still want to be using the best of the best. Definitely. Um, so it's, you don't just think in that immediate area. I mean, there's, you know, SI doesn't have staffers anymore, but, you know, they still have um, ex-staffers who they have relationships with um, who, who know how to deliver. They know what you're looking for. They know how to do the, the, the job quick. Yep. They know the systems and they're still, they're super talented. So, yep. you know, first thought a lot of times is, are those guys or regular contributors? Um, but then, you know, timing is a big thing. Sometimes you have to get something together in 12 hours, 14 hours, or it's 6 PM and you gotta have someone doing it at 11 AM. Uh, so that's when, you know, your net, uh, doesn't, you know, isn't as wide. Mm -hmm. And then you start looking to the area and, you know, I, I traveled for 150 days a year for eight years. So I, I know a, a lot, lot of people, people in random cities. Um, I know guys who were staff at newspapers and were super talented. Yep. It may not that, you know, may not be on staff anymore. So, um, I try to use those experiences and the people I've met and the things I've seen. And I, 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 you know, always looking at photographers' websites or someone I see an interesting picture, I'll take it further and look. And okay. just really about trying to remember those and, you know, those people and hoping they're available when you make the call. Um, and when you are going to give a new photographer a chance, what is it that you're looking for um, to give them a chance? Because obviously the stakes are high. Um, what are you looking for in their portfolio? Do you want to see that they have experience shooting uh, professional sports? Or what do you kind of take into account if you're going to give a, a chance to someone you haven't worked with before, you um, think? I want to see a variety in someone's folio. Um, I don't want to see them overly concerned about showing that they've been somewhere. Yep. Um, you know, just because you had an opportunity to like assist and shoot a little at an NFL playoff game or, mm. you know, an Olympic trials or something like that, or that might've not been your main role, but you made a photo that you kind of like, but maybe isn't the greatest. Mm. Um, you, you, you recognize, you know, just that you had a situation to make a good photo, whether it's a high school game, whether it was an assignment at a workshop and you just happen to make a really nice frame or something, yeah. um, of good variety. Um, I also, within that, I wanted to see like, uh, ability to use a lens selection um, you know, a lot of people can go out there with a 70 to 200 and just make a couple things over time. Um, 
so you know I, I look for that you know angles you know where they're positioned and do they go high in this situation do they go low or they shoot from the same spot yep. how their backgrounds I mean a lot of these things are things that shouldn't be things I have to worry about when I'm looking at some portfolio but yep. unfortunately you still do um, and you know I, I want to see the mix I want to see you know you know, I want someone who can do a journalist reportage. I want to see someone who can shoot some hard action. I want to see someone who can also pull back and use a wide to make an environmental action shot. Yeah. You know, someone who can do natural lit portraits, someone that can do studio portraits. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you, that, that's you, you the, need a lot. Because that's, that's the interesting thing about SI. It's like, obviously, you guys have, you'll do the, like, general like action photos of like the game sometimes but then you guys do like um more stylized portraits and mm -hmm. even like documentary style stuff like i think i was looking at uh who was it today um they like documented the la dodgers uh coach for a day and they photographed him uh rob rob Shingai, i think yeah, that, that's, that's a spring training uh yeah. assignment from a couple years ago of one of our baseball yeah. previews so is that with yeah rob Shingai did that did so a great job with that so si you a lot of times you're looking someone who can kind of kind of do a little bit of everything kind of give yourself options pretty much yeah and and it also comes with someone who you know unfortunately like I mean, you said, I mean, with games and, you know, behind the scenes stuff probably didn't happen much where you get to go on site, but, you know, uh, editors used to go to portrait shoots or cover shoots all the time and fly around and do all these Not things. Anymore. I mean, even, I remember a year or two ago, I even mean, went to a panel and listened to people, um, editors from Real Simple and Bloomberg and this, and people, and they're talking about these shoots that they go on twice a month. I'm like, wait, twice a month? I've been <laughs> on a shoot once in four years. Um, so you got to do everything from far away. So it's also how that person, you know, just handles people, talks to people, um, can get a little extra out of someone. Um, someone who can take the direction, you know, on the first, second explanation and get you there. It, not perfectly there sometimes, but at least close to it. And then from that, um, I really like someone who's going to find a way to do something with their own twist Yeah. Uh, at the end. Um, listen, our, our ideas work out great sometimes. Our ideas from the office are duds sometimes yeah. also. Um, and I... You know, I can do a lot on Google. I can find a lot of examples and search hashtags for yeah. locations. Um, but when it comes down to it, nothing beats being there. Yeah. And hopefully the guys I'm, you know, guys and girls I'm hiring, yeah. you know, know how to recognize at some point. And either whether it's a phone call when they get there and be like, just check your phone. I just sent something to you. Yeah. And I, I think it might work. Yeah. Or they just have the idea in their head. I'm going to get what he asked for. Well, I'm going to find 90 seconds, or I'm going to find two minutes, and I'm going to pull yeah. this guy over, and I'm going to do something else. Yeah, also. and as you know, like, especially more, I guess, towards the portrait stuff, you can have, like, every idea in the world and show up, and, like, whoever your talent is that you're shooting, they, they can be like, nah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. <laughs> so, then, so then that's when, I guess, experience comes in. You got to roll up those punches and just make shit happen on the fly. Yeah, you, you, you really do. Um, I mean... We try to get most of those things clear ahead of time. Um, you, you get a lot of no's even before I get a chance to talk to the photographer. Trust me. Yeah. Um, sometimes our idea may not sound the best because it's our third or fourth idea anyway. Because we got turned down for a bunch of that would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, um, but like for an idea is that I, I think I've asked five or six different college football players um, to do a Heisman pose um, before you know the Heisman was announced because they were a candidate leading up and. No, 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 no. I mean, don't I don't, jinx most it. times it's just coming from the SID. He's not even kicking it up. Yep. Um, sometimes it does kick up and then it gets kicked back. But then last year I get Baker Mayfield says yes. Yeah. And Simon Brody goes out to Oklahoma and gets a great cover of uh, Baker doing a jump in Heisman pose. So, yeah. you know, sometimes they work out also. Yeah, I know, man. Definitely. He's got to try. That's all. That's the one thing I've learned, like, from doing this for a while when I first kind of started shooting. Like, I think I was little, didn't have, like, the confidence, like, I have now where I'd just be, try to, like, cater to people. But the thing I realized is, like, you just got to ask these people because you're only there once and just get as much as you can pretty much, you know? Yeah, just, you know, there's just, I think as long as you're being respectful about it, um, be quick when you ask the one that they want to go for, you can laugh it off and <laughs> yeah. be like, oh, no, no, man, yeah. just, you know, well, how about this? Let's try this. You, you ask the, you ask like the craziest one first and then you work your way down right. to the one you actually want to do. Exactly. <laughs> it's like mind games. Yeah. Um, do you, or, do you still get a lot of print promos in the mail? Uh, people send you stuff at all anymore? Um, some, I mean, it, it kind of goes through upticks through the year. Sometimes I get more or less, um, I, I look at them. They can be helpful sometimes. Um, the things of that nature, though, I'm kind of, they, they're confusing sometimes for me also. Um, 
you know, I know a lot of things got to be done in a, in a mass send out. Yeah. Um, so you'll get like random. Like, yeah, food, I just get a lot of random things. And I'm like, did, did they really know that they sent this to an editor of a sports magazine? Yeah. Um, They're not researching. Yeah, no. So I, I, there's more value to me when I see it, when it seems tailored to me, that they seem not have an interest in me, but I have an interest in the projects that we're doing. I mean, everyone, you know, whether it's in an email blast or on a little written note that they throw in their mail or says, I love the stuff you guys have been doing. Yeah. Love SI forever. I've been a subscriber for 30 years. Well, just but have you looked at the magazine too? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I think we're doing great stuff and I think there's good reasons to look at it. But mm-hmm. uh, I think just when it gets caught up in the generic bundle of yeah. it all, it's, they're not as effective to me. And if anything, they become a little a little frustrating. Yeah, definitely. Because you, you want someone who's paying attention, like understands the brand of SI and like what right. you guys are doing, the style, aesthetic. And because you're going to essentially, if you're going to hire someone, you're bringing them on the team to like make something happen. You yeah. Know? If you're sending me fitness models, you probably really haven't been looking at what we're doing. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, every once in a while on Scorecard, we got to do a, you know, uh, an athlete's routine, but mm-hmm. those will be done with illustrations more usually. Yeah. Um, I guess like um, for like younger photographers listening, like what advice would you give to them like when they're trying to get their work out there in front of photo editors? What do you think is the best way to kind of reach out to the photo editors, you think? Um, I mean, there's, you know... Well, just by doing it, by starting it, reaching yeah. out, trying, um, you know, sure, DM someone on Instagram now and again, mm-hmm. um, you know, send some email blasts, like I said, make them personal a little more, make them tailored at least to the type of work, yep. um, don't make them the same thing every couple months, um, also just, but but at the same time, that it can go south quick, you want to watch your frequency yeah. a little bit, um, I don't know if I'm alone in this, but there seems to be an art in the mailer that I don't understand of talking to someone like you've had lunch with them and you've never met them before in person. Oh, really? Um, just, you know, a real friendliness and casualness that goes on to like your best friends from college. Yeah. Um, and I mean, maybe every editor doesn't notice or remember the work they're doing that they've seen or been sent, but I think I tend to kind of remember those names. And especially if I have hit you back on a DM or send like, nice job looks good or you know i mean you don't don't always have jobs on hand so things have to wait and develop yeah um so i think kind of after some interactions gone back and forth without pushing too much beyond it but being there Mm -hmm. also and you know persistence is good but there's a point you know when someone sends you six things in two weeks it's it's a little much well that's crazy i i think my mindset is like i kind of reach out like every couple months or so like once once i it's really like when i have something new and then that's really it takes a couple months when I have enough to like show, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you know, I don't, I don't think it's necessary. It was in the past to make the big trip to New York or, or everything. You can still get discovered. There's so many avenues and platforms. Um, you know, I, I would think that everyone's looking at what other people are doing. Also, I'm always looking at, you know, what other people are doing. Um, I'm looking at what the New York times is doing. I'm looking at what ESPN is doing. I'm looking at the wall street journal doing even, um, you know, so, things you notice and it's seen but mm-hmm. i guess it's just just you know not too much of the overkill it's yeah no that makes sense and, I, and i've seen you you also like judged some like photo contests before um is that something you pay attention to like obviously some of the big ones are like pdn communication arts yeah I, I definitely do uh because a lot of times it's fun because you know former colleagues of mine you know do well in it and you know i get to see how they're, how they're doing you know if i haven't worked with them in a couple of years but then you know it also gives you um some freshness and yeah. some new things um i'm I'm always trying to not always successful. I try to be more involved in some of those things. Um, it also comes down to when you're asked, and mm-hmm. you know I've been lucky enough to uh, judge the New York Photographers uh, Press Association uh, photo contest a couple of years ago. Um, and we used to do a yearly contest every year at Getty, where the editors would get together and we'd vote a folio or photographer of the year. Um, and talking photos and going through those things are, are awesome and they're great and um, they're ways to find you know Who knew newer people. talent definitely yeah definitely and then uh, also I was really excited to talk to you because beyond uh, you do a lot you're you SI <laughs> yeah you're photo editing for the Masters and then I think that you just started the New York uh, Marathon this year um, I was just kind of curious how do you kind of come become involved with the the Masters golf tournament uh, well yeah I mean the Masters luckily uh, last five years um, I've been uh, been lucky enough to get contracted by Augusta National to go down and be part of uh, Masters.com so that does, team. That doesn't have anything to do with SI. It's like a complete no. Um, at the time, I was I, w- I started my first year and a half with uh, SI. I was contract. 
Um, so I was still, you know, seeking out and open to freelance opportunities just because didn't know how long that contract was going to go on for. And, and um, um, when I first started transitioning from that work after Getty, um, a photographer uh, who I used to work with a lot at NASCAR, uh, Rusty Jarrett. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, if you've, if you've seen a NASCAR photographer from a photo from the last 20 years, you've probably seen a photo of Rusty's. Um, but Rusty also lives in Augusta, Georgia, and uh, he's shot for the Masters Tournament for over 30 years. Mm. And um, he, had, he had the chance to increase his editing team. I think they had had two or three editors at the time, and they on five or six shooters, and they were bumping it up one more editor. And just from, from my years of doing 30 some odd races, uh, with Rusty, he just he gave me a call and he said, you know, do you have this block of time for nine, ten days to come down Augusta? Yeah. And uh, I mean, obviously, I'm not I'm not big on the term bucket list, but you know, there's a couple times I'll definitely say it. Yeah. And um, uh, I, I mean, you would think with working with Getty, I'd have an opportunity to go there with Getty, but um, that was one. Anyone who's ever been an editor at any time in their career would, oh, me, I'm gonna go back and do the Masters, work in the field this year. So I kind of got bumped to the back of the line and yeah. didn't really think I was gonna see a Masters. It's, like, t- it's tough to get in there, man. It is. I, I was talking to John Hewitt, uh, amazing sports photographer. And yeah. He, he was like, man, that is the hard. And this is coming from John Hewitt, who shot everything. Yeah. He's like, that is the hardest thing to get a press pass for. Yeah. Like, they they don't let a lot of people in there. So the fact uh, you got in there is great. Um, how was it kind of your first experience? going there the first year working there uh, I mean it, it, I mean having worked at, at majors you know the PJ champs and US Open golf before um, you know you, you, you kind of know what it takes up at the same time it's Augusta and you got to wear a blazer every day and oh you really? know, yeah um, because I'm working for Augusta National it's not like you know I'm, I'm not a normal editorial uh, you know wire service or newspaper coming down to, to do coverage um you know we're around the green green jacket members and they're coming through so you know we gotta dress it up a little more make sure you got a collar on every day wear your slacks every day yeah. um so that kind of puts you in i probably goes back in catholic high school for a little bit um wearing <laughs> the shirts and ties um so we uh you know that kind of you know kind of like i said walking to olympics when you're just upping your game it's, it's kind of the same you're up in your game there and um you're just waiting to be told what needs to be done and hope that, you know, you've got the experience to get it done and done as fast as they want. And then you do it well enough over a week that they call you again yeah. and say, why don't you come back and do it again next year? Yeah, man. Have a pimento cheese sandwich. Yeah. <laughs> I stay away for the pimento cheese. I had some of the classic uh, chicken sandwiches for sure. Uh, uh, but I guess but with, it was awesome. with the Masters, from what I've heard, is like they it's different from most golf tournaments in the sense they don't actually give the photographers inside the ropes access. You're basically just battling with the crowd yeah. and, and everything. So that's kind of a little different challenge for the photographers, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. It definitely uh, you know, makes you know inside the ropes of golf is great. It really helps clean up your background a ton gets you these great from behinds um you know just always anywhere you see a scene you're like oh well i can get there if i do this and, and augusta you know you can't do that um you're working with outside within the patron area um you know it i think every year you go it, it helps you plan and know it a little bit better because you know how to do quick cuts you know 12 to 14 or something like that um you know or you can you know you can cover a t and a green back and forth you know or you know and it kind of also force you to, to plan your coverage a little bit better you can't throw this big net and just say oh i'm gonna get all these guys or whatever it's like you know who's really my leaderboard who do i want to be what three four guys do i want to be in range of getting yeah um and then also beyond that you know the technology you're allowed to use on the course is different you know if you're if you're there editorially you know for a wire and trying to get quick delivery you you can't use wireless you can't use my like wow you know for a while there wasn't even any drops you had to go all the way back um you know to the media center and file and it was more like all right you came back and you had a sandwich and you're there for an hour and a half you're not doing a quick file to get back out so um but the thing with that and as it does present challenges the thing and people will definitely complain about it because you know they it's different get a little cush other places yeah. and you know it's you know nice and comfortable and they know it and they know where to go for dinner and everything like that and in Augusta they still know where to go to dinner trust me <laughs> um but the thing that I kind of like about it it's an even playing field no matter what mm-hmm. everyone has the same thing there you know even if if you know sometimes the Augusta team they'll be working on things of more to you know for future changes but they're not competing against anyone there so you know if they're trying out some new technology and even even that they've there hasn't been much recently but you know at first they did the drops 
you know, on the course just for them. And then they opened it up to the wires and allowed, you know, you know, um, AP, Getty, USA Today, all the big ones use it. So then, it, you know, whenever they've done it, it's been an even playing field for everyone else. So, Interesting. you know, I think that's where, you know, you got guys who've been there three, four, five, six times that that plays in and they can, you know, run your coverage a little crisper and tighter. So what is Augusta using all those photos for? Because, like, will they allow, is it essentially Augusta that handles all the photos and do they let Getty go there too? Or, like, what is... Oh, no, I mean, everyone's there. They're okay. shooting all the same stuff. Um, you know, it's just, it's archival purposes okay. um, it's you know the masters.com website I mean they have a full editorial team there they have writers there they have an editor you know they're doing two three long-form stories a day they're doing shorter social media stuff on Instagram and Twitter uh, you know they want to hole in one shot if possible so you can blast it out they want the part uh, part three stuff yeah uh, leading up you know the you know when they're out when the golfers are pros are out there with their kids and they're you know uh, wearing the little caddy suits yeah, yeah. and they're running around so um, you know, a lot of it is used within that 10-day period, but um, I think, you know, the last couple of years, they've been looking to use it more and more throughout the year. Uh, and then they have some, you know, involvement in um, the Latin amateur and the Asian amateur. So, oh, interesting. you know, they're also, you know, shooting and collecting their archive, uh, you know, more through the year at other events. And so. how many photographers will you guys have be working on the, when you're shooting the masters? Um, I think it's... Uh, I think it's six okay. is what they have, and we're up to five editors, so it's a pretty good ratio. Oh, definitely. Um, it but, it, but at the same time, it really allows you to do the speed delivery to, uh, to meet the needs of the website, to turn around quick, so stuff is getting used. Yeah. Another thing they do every day, they do an, an annual book oh, with wow. all the material, too. So every night, um, we load a hard drive, we hand it off to the designers, and they start working on it, actually, that weekend, mm. and they'll have it done like a week or so afterwards. Yeah, it's interesting. I've shot a little golf, and the thing that's challenging about it is in a sense it's it's like a slow sport it's not like it's not like a fast moving sport but at the same time the course is so big so if you're trying to shoot a lots of people like getting to like if you're on the second hole to the eighth hole that's kind of the challenge with yeah. golf it's not that the it's not like nascar where the car is going a million miles an hour <laughs> it's like you actually have your time to set up but then you're chasing guys like where's rory where's yeah. Th that's kind of the challenge I yeah think. but i think that's the nice thing if you have the, if you have the um, you know if you're lucky enough to go out there and cover a tournament for four days yep you know you can get to know your course the first two days mm -hmm. um you lose half you know it's always a cut's always great you lose half the field so you're not chasing as many people you're not not worrying about getting everyone and uh you know hopefully you use those first couple of days to you know learn your spots learn your cut across mm -hmm. but I, I i mean that my shooting isn't really extensive but one thing i always loved is shooting golf i i thought it was the best like i, I love it because I, I, I loved humping the course i love walking around i love just just looking and, and finding something different and it's extremely challenging i mean you you get every every single like, situational light everywhere you turn you know you're you could be in brilliant light on a green and then you go to a tee box and you're in the worst shadow ever all yeah. the time yeah the thing that's cool about it is because it's like it's almost a combination of like landscape photography because it's like the most beautiful pristine courses and mm -hmm. then on top of it it's almost like portraiture and then you get all these characters from the gallery so there's yeah. just so much to pull from yeah uh, it's exciting but the challenge of doing it without having ropes or cans in the background definitely yeah. that's that's the biggest challenge when, when you see it that way yeah definitely yeah all the people for sure and you know one thing I, I always look at is uh you guys do this thing called si full frame mm -hmm. i was wondering if you could talk a little bit about that i've been seeing a ton lately on instagram uh, uh kojo he's always posting stuff up mm -hmm. there um what is that is it like what kind of goes into picking the photos for that well i mean you know originally you know i have to you know i'll go back through a little bit how the instagram started at si um nate gordon um worked obviously a lot with brad mangin um brad is uh known for obviously his insta baseball uh his baseball instagram is one of the first guys to really embrace it early on and um i mean and this is before my time so hopefully i'm getting everything right yeah. but uh you know brad had been doing that and working with nate and and they presented it and and they ran it as uh, uh three two-page spreads in uh one of the leading off sections of the weekly god it's probably over eight years ago now or something like that yep. um so that I think that was kind of SI's first foray into Instagram. And from there, you know, obviously you might as well start a feed and they started a feed and they did it. And while well, as like everyone else is figuring it out and frequency and, and everything, and then it gets ignored for a month. And then, you know, you do it a lot during the world series and then it gets ignored for another month. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, when I got to SI, then, you know, they're obviously looking at the digital more seriously and realizing they need to, you know, be broader, be out there, do more, engage 
you know, all the buzzwords. Yep. Um, so I started doing that and it grew and, you know, did a real concentration on it of trying to, you know, not always daily, but doing a couple of things a week. And that was under the SI name and it grew and grew and grew. Yeah. Got to the 400,000. Then we grew up to 400,000 up to like 950,000 followers and yeah. like really stoked on it coming up to a million. And, and as you know, as a department, you do your, your reassessment and what you're doing with it. Also then, you know, other departments start doing reassessment and the social department became bigger and you know, it was sports illustrated's official Instagram. Yeah. So, um, that kind of became taken over by the, the social media department itself. Um, which so now instead of just, you know, trying to promote the, the you know, and it was all, we were only posting SI content. Yep. We're only our original created content, nothing from the wire. So whether it was, you know, historical, you know, something great by Heinz Klutmeyer or something new by Robert Beck or Simon Broody or Al Thielmans or whatever. Um, it was all our own stuff, but now, you know, it's memes and it's videos and it's all these things. And, you know, that's, that's, it's, it's part of today's media landscape, but it's not what, built the SI brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, we actually, we had thought about starting a photo department, uh, Instagram, and I, I actually was one I threw out the name at uh, Full Frame. Um, it's kind of a name I was sitting on for a while, and I, I thought it would be good for like a blog or something, which we had talked about doing, and but instead we ended up using it um, on Instagram. And, you know, like I said, we just, we're using it as really, really editors see things or what editors want to put out. I mean, not every great, awesome photo makes it into a story. It doesn't Definitely. fit for whatever reason or, um, you know, and you shoot five setups for a portrait and only one, one sees the light of the day. So it's great to have a, you know, a platform and to put other stuff out there that, that, that appeals to more, you know, the sport photo net or a photo geek or, or yeah. something like that. No, I love it, man. It's always this cool stuff up there. I've been following it for a little while now. I definitely, mm -hmm. I'll, I'll link it on here and people can go check it out. Yeah, but. it'd be great. We, we'd love it. Um, I mean, we, you know, it's, 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 it's tough to grow and we don't have one person, you know, dedicated to it all the time, but yeah. you know, we're, we're, our posts are, are frequent, you know, more and more, um, you know, do a good mix up and, and any, uh, any love or, uh, increase we can get on our numbers. We'd love, uh, love to see it. Yeah, definitely. And then as, as we see the numbers go, we'll post more too. Trust me. For we're, sure. uh, we take notes of it all the time. For <laughs> sure. Uh, a couple more questions. I'll let you go. Um, I guess kind of looking back at all the sporting events you've gone to, is there like anyone that kind of, I'm sure there's a bunch, maybe one that kind of sticks out in your mind as like an experience that you kind of look back on now that is like particularly memorable for you you think um i mean there's always you know i mean there's tons and tons and tons of goes i, I memorable ones are, i always loved the ncaa tournament um you know got to do um seth seth curry's run when he was at davidson yep. so that's something i'll always remember um but it, you know it's you know i've gotten to cover tiger um you know i covered Manny Pacquiao at Dallas Cowboys Stadium so there's the grand things but I, I think what it really all comes down to for me and something you understand about me is uh, I was a swimmer growing up um, you know swam club teams when I was younger so I'm a little high school I got away from it and then swam four years of college um, so getting my first opportunity at the Olympics to cover a swimming event live with uh, Michael Phelps wow. in China um, you know I'd seen I'd been lucky enough to get a ticket in 04 to see him win I think the 200 IM um, and to see Amanda Beard win the 200 breaststroke that year. And that was just, that was the best. And then, like, so, uh, Beijing 08 was going to be my first as an editor. And I wasn't on the squad yet to do the swimming or the track. Uh, you kind of, kind of earn your spots. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then kind of halfway through, they had done some shifting around to get people ready to go out for the track and a spot opened up and I was like, you want to go? I was like, yes. yeah, <laughs> like, Let's go. swimming the Olympics, <laughs> like the 1984 Olympics. I mean, that was that was it for me. Like Summer Sanders, Matt Biondi, like yep. Nelson Debo, like that, those were, those were my athletes. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I love the Mets and Dwight Gooden and Dallas Strawberry and those guys in the eighties, but Interesting. The, the, that Olympic athletes were always the biggest thing for me. So, uh, getting a chance halfway through, I think it was the fifth day I started to do the swimming. Um, and I did all the days since. So did the rest of Phelps golds. I don't know if it was, I don't think it was my first Phelps gold, but when he touched out uh, for the 100 meter fly, yep. uh, down, you know, famous underwater photo by Heinz Klutmeyer. Um, you know, and our underwater didn't work that well that day, so it didn't work out. So there, there might have been other people with it, but Heinz has got it. Yeah, um, yeah. But, you know, it's, I mean, to work at SI now, and you see it in the halls every day, I'm, I'm reminded of that moment all the time. And then, um, 
you know, and it, it, it just continued from there. Swimming was always top stuff to do for me, you know, going on to Olympic trials as Lochte and Phelps started going back and forth with each other, and that became primetime television and mm. doing a world championships uh, for uh, FINA champs in uh, Shanghai. Damn. And also having the opportunity to go on and do London. Like, I've, you know, it just was awesome. Um, it was a little bummer in 2016 when I wasn't in Brazil. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, you know, I just, watching it is, I just... I love yeah. it. I, I geek out for swimming. It's a weird thing. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> not, exciting. Not the usual, but. No, it's exciting because, like, it, for the most part, besides, like, Michael Phelps and, like, some of the bigger guys, a lot of those guys are, like, these, the most amazing swimmers in the world, but they really don't get to shine except every, like, whatever, four years. Yep. So, it, and that's just exciting because it's, like, for the most part, most people don't follow swimming that much. But for those right. for those two weeks, it just becomes, like, the talking point. And, of, like, and they're special types of athletes, too. I mean, um, I mean, all athletes are special obviously um and your interaction level uh levels are different in what you get to do but like it just seems in that in that that realm they're a little more personal sometimes and stuff like that i mean like i, I mean i think i've done just over half of phelps medals but wow. look at a guy like albello albello did and i think don morale too have probably been at every single one of phelps's olympic races that's ever that's crazy and they covered him at nationals when he was like 14 and yeah. through and you know, Phelps is doing his victory lap on the deck, and he turns and says, hey, Al, what's up? Like, because he knows him, because he's worked, like, and that, just, and knowing those stories and seeing those things, it, and it helps, you know, I mean, obviously, Phelps went through his things in the media and stuff like that, but, mm -hmm. you know, 16 years of competitive something, something like that stretches how it goes, is that, you know, it's going to happen, <laughs> like, people are going to have their moments, but, you know, and just seeing where he's at now, and he's bringing the sport beyond it, it's, it's, it's it's cool to be a part of those pieces. Yeah, definitely. It's exciting. And is there like any sporting event or anything that you haven't covered yet that's been on your bucket list or anything? Even um, it could be some weird like. I oh. mean, I always want to do, you know, it's an Australian Open. Tennis is one I always want to do. Always want to do something in Australia. I got a lot of Australian friends. Yeah, uh, that'd be cool to do something like that. Another tennis one in Wimbledon would yeah. be cool. Yeah. Um, British Open. Um, those are probably my big uh, international ones, um, and I'd, I'd say other than that, I, you know, I've got a goal to get back and do another Summer Olympics, hopefully at some point. Hell yeah, you'll get it, man. Yeah. Um, but I guess just to kind of wrap up, like uh, you've been doing this for a while. Like, what do you enjoy about it? What kind of keeps you going? And like, uh, any goals for yourself moving forward? I guess. I, I guess yeah, well, you know, it's just uh, it's just completed, or I'm in my 20th year uh, working in sports photography, which is crazy in itself. Yeah. Um, I guess I wasn't dumb enough to leave at any point. Um, <laughs> no, I, I love it. Yeah, no, I, I, I have lots of goals. Um, I've you know had the uh, in whatever form it's going to be. It's always going to be. I think based around the relationship between the editor and the photographer. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, I like to really start to take that to a new level. Um, it's always different how you get your introduction to a guy, if a guy's been doing it for 15 years or 20 years, or, you know, so the guy's just getting his break, and, you know, it's different levels of opportunity you have to put your input in things. But when you've worked with someone long enough or had that one good project that puts someone on the top, you, you can continue it and push it. And, you know, I love sending their you know the conversation to well, what remotes can we do differently like how can we look at it differently like you've shot this every year for the last six years and I, I know there's an idea in there and just doing things to force it to to bridge i think the creative gap between the photographer and editor to to really push it because you know you know the editor is the one who's talking to people back in the office or he's, he's talking to where you know the the creation comes from or the budget to create something comes from and you know and the photographer is there and it's great if you ever do get the opportunity to be there but just working with the people that want to push the envelope and keep it going and you know i mean you know obviously the industry has struggled at times and, and been a tough one but i I, th I think with with the need and the push for photography I, I still think there's something there's something greater there's better better to come i don't know on the volume of what that's going to be but yeah um, i'm just hoping you know to be part of some of those opportunities to you know work the tech new technologies and, and push things and make the aesthetic better because people understand it looks good on instagram or it looks good for their marketing or and yeah. just you know going with those things hell yeah people are always going to want to look at photos for sure it will be interesting to see where things go um i don't know you feel like magazines are always going to be around forever or is this going to be maybe different I, don't I, know. I think in some sense um i think it's start you know when when you see like um you know something like you know a golf magazine can publish quarterly and there's, there's an audience for it or you know it's as long as you're playing to your audience and giving them what they want and what they're asking for i think there's a purpose for it mm -hmm. um 
I think, you know, I mean, SI still has 3 million subscribers. I mean, that, that yeah. that's, a, that's a lot of eyes looking at something. Um, it looks good in print, like, you know, yeah. and I don't know, digital banner ads, they open, they close, they, they, they piss me off. I, I hate them. I have a bunch of magazine subscriptions, and they always give you, like, the free iPad one with the print. And, like, I right. never use the iPad one, really. It's just because I like holding it. and it's just, Well, it's, and that's, that's why we don't do a different iPad version anymore. We yeah. used to, um, that's why we used to do it, but still under Time Inc., they ended up just going back to, okay how the pdfs are in the mag that's what they are because the i mean people love their ipads for streaming everything but not yeah. really for you know reading magazines i guess yeah definitely but, but uh anyways yeah. chris uh so on thank you for taking the time to do this man it's a real pleasure talking to you like i said been a big fan of si for years so uh thanks so much thanks man it was a uh, it was a pleasure it was, you know it was cool to you know join some of the great guests that you had and have the opportunity to come on thank cool. you yeah thank you so there you have it. That was the Chris Chambers interview. I want to thank Chris so much for taking the time to come on the podcast. It was a real pleasure getting a chance to speak with him about everything he's done within photography. Um, the guy's done a lot, being working at Getty for over 10 years and now at Sports Illustrated. Uh, he's covered so much within sports, so I know I learned a lot. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, yeah, as always, I'll be having weekly podcasts every Monday on iTunes soundcloud as well as my website alexgagnephoto.com and on my instagram at alexgagnephoto thanks so much for listening and take care